Well, folks, I found my way into the podcast. You knew I'd be back. I'm your executive producer, Saul Spady. I'm joined for the second part of the conversation here in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. We have Eric from Impact Power Solutions. We have Jonathan from the Bipartisan uh, Policy Center. Policy Center. They, they make it hard on me, but I do my best. Uh, Jonathan, I want to start with you because you set up this entire conversation. We just had a congressman come in. We had the Conservation Coalition, which is funding this project, and, and their leaders have a conversation about how we can have bipartisan climate action. Uh, how, how do you feel kind of watching that conversation go down? Did it feel did it feel good? It's very fulfilling, very gratifying to see t- uh, you know a member of Congress talk with a conservative spokesperson for the environment and actually find common ground. Well, and that common ground in this case was about Impact Power Solutions. You're a business here in St. Paul, Minnesota. You have solar panels, I think, hidden up there yep. on that yeah. roof. Uh, <laughs> it, first off, you're, you're a business. Talk about the business side of solar. What this business does and why it's so important for you to keep investing in clean energy. Yeah, so uh, Impact Power Solutions, we've been around for, it'll be 30 years in January. We focus on commercial and industrial applications, so we do a lot of work with uh, folks like Target Corporation and Cargill here locally. Um, and what we're, uh, you know, kind of seeing, at least in the, in the next, you know, handful of years is we really are talking about certainty and we really, we really look toward our, uh, our, our federal and state politicians to help create that environment for us to grow. Well, I really understand that. My, I'm from Seattle, Washington. It's actually, I think, my first time in Minnesota. So I'm, I'm kind of realizing how nice everyone is here. It's a really different than the Seattle freeze. But we have to build bipartisan coalitions to create uh, laws that are consistent. It, can you speak a little bit about your work at, at that, Jonathan? and why if we had consistency for a business like Impact Power Solutions, it helps them grow their clean energy project and portfolio. Right. So like anything in life, politics is about relationships and bringing people together who don't know each other necessarily or don't understand one another's policy beliefs and getting them to find that that common ground. So we established at the Bipartisan Policy Center a few years ago a program called the American Congressional Exchange where members of Congress who want to participate agree to spend a day or two in another member's district of the opposite party, somebody who's different from them culturally, politically, geographically, and from that shared experience, come away with a new constructive relationship. We've had a number of those kinds of visits to a district that revolved around issues of climate change, on envi- under environmental matters. Last week we were in Charleston, South Carolina, going out with two members of Congress, one a Republican from Kentucky and the home state m- member in Charleston, South, South Carolina, and we went out on a boat at high tide to see what real sea level rise look, look, looks like. And for the congressman from Kentucky, who isn't on a coast, obviously, this was an eye-opener. This was something really valuable for him to begin to understand. Well, that bipartisanship, that type of adventure, builds trust. And that's what we're doing on the electric election road trip. When, we go, when we've been going across the country, what I've been really struggling with, and I think, Eric, you have a really great comment on this, is this concept that rural America almost feels a, a little bit bludgeoned. Like, they love their land. Some of them have, like, multi-generational farms. And they're being told, like, they don't care about their environment. And then there's no one kind of highlighting the great work this, the, that they're doing doing in both the rural area and the the urban communities aren't kind of listening to that. What you do for solar, you're doing in both urban and rural. How do you bridge that gap? Yeah, so we've been um, we've been hard at uh, community solar, which is a program that brings um, brings energy from kind of these rural areas into the urban core. And so the utility will help to um, broker these uh, relationships where, you know, landowners have land, they create energy with uh, solar panels and then that gets uh, put onto uh, other people's uh, bills. Um, <clears throat> uh, credits onto their bills. And so what we're seeing is that 
landowners in these rural areas are benefiting from these projects by uh, getting increased revenue uh, for their land, which is all um, often, <clears throat> excuse me, two to three times what they'd normally get from agriculture use. And then they're also, the counties are, are seeing, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, increased uh, property taxes. They're seeing, um, you know, just increased economic development in their, in their area. So it's a, <clears throat> excuse me, wow. Um, it's, uh, those are the types of solutions where we we're, we're bringing in bill savings for people that live in the urban areas and we're also seeing uh, economic solutions in, in rural areas um, as being an opportunity to help kind of bridge the, that gap. From the bipartisan solution, obviously, you know, conservatives are often from rural communities, uh, liberals are from urban communities. How important is it to keep pushing these elected officials to take these adventures to really almost simulate what we're doing here on the electric election podcast going you know from a tribal leader in squim talking about for you know talking about uh salmon management to you know forest management and cross laminated timber what why is that the key in your mind we often say at the bipartisan policy center sal that you don't really know where someone's coming from until you actually know where they're from and by going to that district and beginning to understand, oh, now I get it, why that member of Congress thinks the way they do, votes the way they do, speechifies the way they do, you begin to then develop this very close connection. Um, again, it's about the, the, the relationship building and those intangible qualities of trust that need to exist in order for you to sit down when you're back in Washington, roll up your sleeves and actually create legislation. Right. Well, legislation that's almost enacted then at a local level. I think a lot about incentivization versus forcing businesses to get involved. You talked about how we can really help farmers to get more value out of their land. It's one of the most serious things I think that was said to me on this trip is a young woman who's been working on farms. She's working in farm science said, you know, if you're selling corn in Minnesota this year, you probably lost money on your entire crop. That is a devastating statement and we need to somehow get the government involved so we can incentivize them to build wind turbines to put in solar farms so that when we have a bad corn year our farmers still are surviving and economically viable because we need to be a country that's growing Isn't absolutely that yeah so it's, it's about diversification right and and landowner rights um, landowners want to be able to do with their land what they what they uh, what they want to do and and oftentimes we're, we're seeing um, you know certain areas be absolutely ideal for solar and so just like you know having fertile soil it's it's having you know fertile land for uh, renewable energy and so um, you know we're 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 starting to see that tide turn and um, a lot of folks are excited about it uh, what, what you mentioned about corn prices also you know we we're starting to see um, people really talk about like uh, what's the value of restoring um, health to the soil you know there are some of these other kind of less tangible um, benefits to clean energy, which is you know basically restoring restoring the land uh, from having been turned over year after year. Um, how can we look at some of those solutions to help build the the economic case uh, even further for clean energy? And I want to get into the weeds on solar just for for a second because I think it's really fun. We all drove our, our Tesla here. We're driving a Tesla uh, across America, and one of the things that kind of shocks me is that our 2018 Tesla goes 200 miles, but the new one that's going to come out in 2020 could go uh, almost you know 2021 could go almost 400 miles according to Elon Musk if he hits his kind of battery advancements. Where does battery advancement stand in solar? 
solar energy. And then, you know, for those who are listening, they're not going to realize it either other than they heard an airplane that hasn't decided to go electric yet. Yep. So it wasn't quiet. But uh, if they're watching, they're going to realize that we're outside. How has solar made advancements on batteries and then let's say gaining energy when it's cloudy right now? Because we're still, you're still gaining energy right yeah, now. It, it's, um, we're in this exponential growth curve. Uh, for both batteries and solar. So uh, what, I, what we like to uh, kind of uh, liken it to is that batteries are probably about six years uh, later than where solar was six years ago. So um, we're going to see uh, hockey sticks continue in, 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 in that direction. So like one of a couple of my favorite stats uh, on the solar side is that in the last decade, we've seen 99% of all solar that's been deployed has happened in the last decade. Um, and it's that is just going to absolutely continue on with batteries as well. And in batteries case, you know, in solars, solar, we talk about efficiency and the price. And the same thing with batteries is how much power can we pack into, you know, a, a given space. And that is improving dr dramatically as well. And we know being in Minnesota that hockey sticks are pretty important. Oh, yeah. We can't we can't escape them. Well, I got to say in Seattle, I, I get to say this now. <laughs> we We're going to beat you with the Kraken real soon. <laughs> this is going to be really exciting. I get a little worried, though, because it, it sounds like we're making incredible strides on, on the product and the technology in your business. But, you know, we're not getting more efficient at bipartisanship right now. Well, I would I, I would challenge that notion. You know, we, we think that especially freshman members of, of Congress, you know, of which Congressman Phillips is, um, they have a new outlook. Um, they are not perhaps jaded like a member of Congress might be if they've been in office for, you know, 10, 15 to 20 years. And we're finding uh, among this new crop of, of members that there is a genuine interest on both sides of the aisle of really coming to Washington and wanting to get things done and understanding that in order to do that, it is about that connection and relationship that is necessary in order to make it so. Well, to be fair, I see that with the Conservation Coalition, with uh, Benji and with Danielle and their entire organization. I'd ask you, Eric, how can we take their organization and the students that are all across the country, the young people that want to take action, congressmen like, uh, like uh, Congressman Phillips, who is here with us, and how can we help you get into a situation where we can get uh, legislation that incentivizes solar build-outs for farms? What, what could best assist you at this point as this industry is going to explode? Yeah, it's definitely at the grassroots level. I remember in 2013, um, in Minnesota, we had a bill called the 2013 Solar Jobs Act, and it, it was a coalition of all sorts of different advocacy groups that kind of came together, a groundswell, to pass the, the community solar law. And so we talked a little bit about it earlier, and that is, is the power and the testament to getting people energized at, at, that, at that most basic level. Well, this makes me, I'm glad that you, we have the bipartisan uh, group here because I, I got to ask you a question myself. I used to be a conservative talk radio show host, but then I identify as a pro-growth progressive. Yeah. What I love about this project is almost everyone we sat it down with, whether they're on the right or left, they keep on saying, it's so simple. We got to, we have to grow. Our business has to grow. We have to do better. We have to be more efficient, but then we also need to invest in our environment. And so as we grow, we invest. How does that message resonate with both Democrats and Republicans? And is that where we can really uh, hone in and drive more bipartisan? partisan work? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's really a an interesting, you know, cross where you've got the market in one place that, as Eric and I were talking earlier, has really moved in a direction where for renewable energy, uh, for solar, for, for, for wind, 
Um, I don't want to say it's at the point where you don't need the tax incentives, but the market is really driving it and is, is really now competitive and even below the cost of fossil fuels. So the market is sort of taking care of itself. On the other hand, you still need some government incentives, whether that comes from the state or the federal level or, or, or both, in order to accelerate the production of renewable energy and to give confidence to the market that there is enough behind them financially in order to grow. And well, to make the long-term investments necessary to get to a place where, you know, maybe we can have a carbon-negative Washington state, a carbon-negative South Dakota, you know, using wind power. I would almost uh, push to you on, on the issues of solar. For those who aren't aware, what are the really exciting trends or jumps in your technology space that get you excited? And then I'm assuming you're really passionate about renewables in general. We've talked to a lot of people who said we can't just focus on solar or wind or nuclear. We have to focus on all of them because the problem's so big. Outside of solar and those advancements, what, what do you really geek out about in the renewable energy I mean, space? I'm like a total, total nerd when it comes to like technology. That's what drew me to the space uh, 14 years ago when I started in, in clean energy. And I think that, you know, we, w there are all sorts of different technologies out there that are on the horizon, especially, you know, including hydro. Like a lot of people wouldn't, wouldn't guess hydro is the number one renewable energy source in, in the country. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm going to take this moment because you introduced it, but uh, so I, I am just wrapping up this book. It's it's getting released on October 18th. It's called Clean Wave. A guy Can I get a copy? Oh, yeah. Is this, is this my copy? This is it. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah. go. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll sign it before we leave. But yes, Clean, Clean Wave, A Guide to Success in the Green Recovery, talking about how clean energy can fit into a post-COVID and uh, into a more uh, uh, racially just um, future. Uh, in the United States, and it talks about all sorts of different technology, all sorts of, uh, of, of uh, potential positions that are open for uh, potential job seekers, and it's really geared towards those folks that are either coming out of college or looking for a uh, mid uh, you know, mid career uh, switch, and um, you know tons of information there at cleanwavebook.com. Well, and I'm curious, just get a little bit deeper on that. You know, we we were a little worried about some of these brownouts that are happening in California, where you know maybe the criticism of solar would be overinvestment in solar, overinvestment in wind. I love that you say you nerd out about all of it. Uh, can you kind of reiterate how important it is that we invest in all sectors to kind of get to that that place? Yeah, and I, and I would say it's it's unfair to, to blame solar for for, for those brownouts. I mean, there, there are transmission issues, there are other things, and, and I think that actually battery storage is one of the, the advent of battery storage in Northern California will help to, to ease a lot of that congestion which is happening on the grid. So, um, but yeah, I think, uh, you, you know, the future is bright all the way around for, for um, wave technology. I talk a little bit about it in the book, uh, geothermal kind of making a comeback potentially, uh, as well as, um, you know, uh, obviously the wind and, and solar uh, uh, industries. Super nerdy moment for, for me right now. Uh, maybe no one else will get this, but I think you will. Are we ever gonna put solar panels in geosynchronous orbit and beam the energy down to the planet? Or is that just like too out there? Is that like that, the flying you know, plane I category? We need to do it, you know? Like we're, we're, we're approaching, you know, almost one cent per kilowatt hour production for solar. I mean. We won't need to beam it anywhere besides, you know, into, uh, you know, uh, into the grid. A man can dream, can't he? <laughs> I, I want to make one other point, Sal, and, and that is a plea for consistency in environmental and energy policy. One of the great challenges for a company like I Impact Solutions, we were talking about this earlier before we went on, is that they think in much longer time horizons than the way elected officials do, who unfortunately are sort of caught between you know the few Three years of ele years. election, R right? And that's not what the in the investment 
uh, horizon is, and it's not what the planning horizon is when you're talking about complicated projects that involve land use regulation and in involve a lot of negotiations of, depending on the facility that you're building. And so what we've got to recognize is that whatever happens in 40 days from now, the margins are going to be razor thin in terms of who has the majority, whether it's Republican or, or, or Democrat. And the party can just ram through legislation or try to govern by executive order. Because for impact power solutions, you, let's say you do an executive order that helps them, well then, Four years later, if that is rolled back, what good does that do for, for them? They need predictability. And, and consistency. And, and, right, and consi consi consistency, and that's really important for, for us to understand. Well, we're closing out here. I want to ask a question to each of you, kind of a similar question. I'll give it to you, Jonathan. Can you just reiterate how we can find your organization, how we encourage more politicians to take these field trips, and then maybe in, in close, you can let me know what you hope we find as the, the Conservation Coalition on this journey, what you hope we keep finding over the next 35, 40 days. Well, the easiest way to find us is to go to bipartisanpolicy.org. <laughs> uh, and look at our look at our website, and you'll find about not only the work that we're doing in the energy space, but in a whole other uh, group of policy areas, ranging from agriculture to healthcare to immigration, uh, in, uh, infrastructure, uh, transportation. Um, what we hope to find um, and partner with uh, the American Conservation Coalition on for the rest of their their journey. There are other opportunities just like we've uh, witnessed here today, where we can go to a company that is doing innovative things, particularly in the technological space, that is thinking uh, futuristically, um, that is not just in the moment, but recognizes that we have to have long-term planning and long-term horizons, and that we can bring policy leaders like Congressman Phillips to the table and have them interact. Because I think, as you saw today, when a member of Congress is able to see something new and begin to understand it with their own eyes, and see it with their own eyes, um, it brings a whole new perspective and they can go and tell their colleagues. Well, especially when we bring a conservative like like Benji to bear, and then we can make bipartisan, make bipartisanship, make yes. bipartisanship great again. I want that hat, right. by the way. I'm gonna put it on your organization <laughs> to, to design that. Send me the first one, right, of course. Right. But uh, Eric, I'm gonna close out with, with you. Obviously, I, I think this was the first day you'd met Congressman Phillips, right. is that yep. correct? Yep. How was that to kind of get this interaction? How does that kind of give you faith? And what do you hope other elected officials learn from that experience and, and you know, maybe, because you're a business investors, how can we find you and get more involved in the work you're doing? Yep, absolutely. So uh, just to kick things off, um, IPS, uh, we're, we're at ips-solar.com. We're a uh, commercial and industrial solar development company that does work across the country. Um, I think what made me hopeful about today is, is, is the fact that Jonathan's here and we're talking about bipartisanship. And solar and clean energy, it's a bipartisan opportunity. We create jobs. We create jobs in rural America, jobs that can't be outsourced, infrastructure. You know, we are we are the future. You know, of, of power, and um, I'm really optimistic that you know I, that people from both sides are starting to see this as not just you know a green issue, but a um, an economic opportunity for the country. Well, and, and with that, I'm going to ask you, what do you hope we find as we continue to visit different projects, uh, bring uh, public leaders uh, to, to the conversation? What do you hope, 
we end with it at, 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 as our Odyssey yeah. closes. I, I think um, what I'm hoping that you guys find, because there's so much, you know, there's so much to be pessimistic about in terms of what's happening with the climate, that there's a lot of optimism. And I'm optimistic because for the, a lot of the reasons that I just mentioned. We're seeing hockey sticks. We're in Minnesota. Hockey stick analogy. But we're seeing exponential growth and opportunity in clean energy, and that is what is going to save the future of uh, of the world. Well, we are in the land of the lakes, and to get lakes, you get rain, so i got to close out this podcast so we can save all of our equipment and get to the next location. This is the Electric Election Podcast. We've been talking about impact power solutions. We've been talking about bipartisanship. Eric, Jonathan, thank you both so much for joining us. This journey, it's still just getting started, folks. Tune on in. Yeah.